Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey everyone, no new episode this week. I'm trying to space them out so that we have enough content through the new year. Uh, If you're not already giving yourself a little break, if you can, please give yourself a break. It's the end of the year. It's been a long year. Um, This is the finish line. Try to enjoy it. I put my out of office on on December 16th of last year saying that I was just done for the year and I cannot recommend it enough if you're in a position to do that. That being said, I wanted to upload a special conversation that I had um, this week with Kate Bear, our Garden Witch overall queen. Um, I was asked to host one of her virtual book readings at Copperfield Books, and we had that conversation a few nights ago. Um, I was really honored to be asked, and they said I could record the conversation if I wanted to share it with you all, so I figured I would do that. So... Uh, enjoy and please remember to shop your favorite independent bookstore for Kate's book but also any other book you're reading this season and I'll see you next week is like that is the one TikTok dance I could do because it's so slow (laughs) (laughs) I could you're right it is the only one the other ones I I can't think of another one that I could do the hand one that I hate I, I could never do it the one that's like, dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 dun. and it's like questions people ask me because I'm a woman and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. no, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't, I can't even watch it, but yes, no, I, can't do I know you guys are so hilarious and cute. And we've gotten <laughs> so multiple attendees have said, you're so friendly, quirky. You should do recurring podcasts. I almost hate to get us started here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Someone's already telling us we should do a podcast. We've been here yes. for three and a half minutes. <laughs> we, we, Be careful yeah. what you wish for. Be TBH, careful what I you didn't know anyone for. was watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, well, Hello. I'll go ahead and get the event started and then you guys can resume, talk about the book, we'll <laughs> see where it goes. Let's do it. All right. Good evening and welcome to Copperfield's Books virtual event with Kate Bear in conversation with Caroline Moss. I'm Jamie Madsen. I'll be your host for the evening and um, a couple of things to note before we get started. Go ahead and open your chat box for the evening. This is where you'll find links to purchase tonight's title, discount codes, upcoming events, and the like. And additionally, the event will feature between 35 to 45 minutes of speaking and will be followed by a live Q&A. Go ahead and submit your questions and comments under the Q&A icon, which you can find at the bottom of the screen. So now I'm really excited to introduce tonight's author. I know this is kind of a redo from a couple weeks ago, so we're so excited to get it back and thank you for bearing with us. But tonight uh, we're with Kate Bear. And Kate is an author and poet based on the East Coast. Her first book, What Kind of Woman, was a number one New York Times instant bestseller and featured in publications such as Harper's Bazaar, Vogue.com, The Chicago Review, and Entertainment Weekly. Her work has been published in The Literary Hub, Cup of Joe, and The New York Times. 
And in conversation with Kate tonight is writer and editor Caroline Moss. Caroline is the co-author of Hey Ladies from Abrams Books and the Work It Girl series from Quarto. She has written for Cosmopolitan, The New York Times, New York Magazine, and many more. So they are with us tonight to discuss Kate's latest work of poetry. I hope this finds you well. I'm so excited to hand it over to you, Caroline. Why don't you get us started? Hi, hi everyone. Um, yes, Kate, you are back from kind of a crazy, a crazy night last week. Oh my gosh, I had a crazy night. I'm so sorry to everyone who thought they were going to see us last week. I we don't apologize Caroline. here. We don't apologize I, here. I FaceTimed her and I was like, should we do this from the hospital? By the way, I'm fine. I had leg <laughs> cramps, probably from sciatic pain and then chest pain randomly. And I, I assumed I would probably be fine, but you know what? Like I had been traveling, like been on, you know, seven flights in three days. And so of course I'm like, oh my gosh, do I have a DBT? And I was about to get on a plane again um, to Boston to do my last book tour stuff. And I had to make sure. So it really sucked. I'm I, yeah. I'm, I'm just glad we didn't do it. I just, I wanted, I had to talk you off the ledge of wanting to do it from the hospital. You were like, I think I could, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's kind of quiet here. And like, you had the mask on. I was like, we're not, we'll do it another time. We'll do it another time. But I'm really excited that we're here. And like, I'm this so is excited. so great. Congratulations. Your second book, you wrote this book and published it during a pandemic. I didn't do anything uh, in the last two years. So anytime anyone accomplishes something amazing, I just think it's really incredible. How does it feel to have birthed uh, book number two? It feels good. I mean, it was kind of terrible to write it, but then of course now, you know, you know this, when you're promoting a book, it happened so long ago. So it's almost hard to remember it. I, you know, I'm like trying to write this other book and I'm talking about this book I wrote a year ago. So it's like, it was hard, but that's already passed. It's kind of like when you like literally give birth, <laughs> you know, a year later, it's like, it wasn't that bad, but it, I mean, sure. if I really think about it, it was, it was terrible to write because my kids were being homeschooled. <laughs> Um, because of the pandemic and I didn't have an office, we hadn't moved yet. And so I was writing it in my car, you know, with my laptop up on the steering wheel. And so it just was for so many reasons, a kind of a difficult book, but then once it was over, you know, it, it felt good. Yeah. I mean, we're all, we're all glad that you stuck with it, that you published it. I think it's kind of an amazing, um, idea to take some of the, the, the detractor commentary and turn it into art. And I'm sure you talk about this all the time. It's the main theme of, I hope this finds you well, but I think there's really something to taking that experience of, of being a woman on the internet, a public woman on the internet who faces like, you know, at, at worst, you know, literal, like, violence and and threats and at best like oh hi oh hi me here I have oh I was wondering if I you know can I put <laughs> your ear first and just taking that and turning that into something that is not only you know tangible for you but I think for everyone reading uh you know relatable and like and meaningful you know did does it still kind of feel weird to get people in your mentions with their opinions thinking that you're actually going to care even after publishing this book 
I don't, I don't really see that as much only because I'm not looking for it. When I, while I was writing this book, I had to like painstakingly go through so many messages. I think something people don't realize with this book is I had to throw out like 99% of, you know, emails, messages, whatever I was finding, because there weren't enough like nouns and verbs and adjectives, <laughs> you know, like if someone emails, like, you know, messages me, I hate your fucking sweater. It's like, could you say some more? Because I'm trying to write a book yeah. here, you know? Um, and so now I'm not looking for it as much. And so it's, it's so different. I like to say I'm, I'm no longer taking submissions. I, I don't, I don't need anyone's <laughs> emails or <laughs> messages. Yeah. So it is, it is different just because I, I'm really kind of tuned out of that. I mean, yeah, in some ways was writing this book, you know, sort of a cathartic experience of coming to terms with the idea that, you know, being a public figure comes with this kind of, um, I don't know, it comes with this kind of commentary from, from the peanut gallery and, and that, and it can't hurt you. Like, you know, like, have you sort of evolved the way that you felt about that kind of reaction throughout this process? Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people ask me, you know, do you consider this like revenge poetry? Like, do you feel like you've taken revenge or, or which is a little bit different than a cathartic experience. Um, both of those things were a little bit true for sure, especially the pieces or the, the messages about me and my body. Those were like fun to respond to. And I feel like in, in that way, I have evolved some as far if when I get those kind of messages now I'm just like oh my gosh shut the fuck up Greg I don't care <laughs> you say whatever you want I already can I mail you my book you know um when I get messages about other people that's those are the ones that are so awful and keep me up at night and I feel terrible about and I'm thinking how am I contributing to this how am I contributing to all these feelings of homophobia and racism and and uh, you know those are the ones that I I feel those aren't fun. Th those are not cathartic for me. That's, they're not about me. They're about me, but they're not. And so those aren't cathartic. And I don't feel like this excitement at all in those, but the yeah. ones about my personal body, you know, those, those are, those are fun sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, being, being on the internet, uh, and sort of developing your career on the internet. And I know that when, publications write about you. They love to call you a mommy Instagrammer turned, yeah. <laughs> turned yeah, writer. They're, they're, don't, they're not saying that as much anymore. So maybe that was what was, it was worth it to write this book just for that, that they could stop saying that. I think they're afraid of saying that now. You know, not that there's anything wrong with being a mommy Instagrammer, but like, no, like what, what is a mommy? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, she has kids. She's on Instagram, mommy Instagrammer. Um, yeah, mommy Instagrammer. Yep, mommy Instagrammer. And I love that. That's something that you have called out in the past. I know that it's a it's a fun headline for publications to throw up there when writing about you. And yeah, it's yeah. it's nice to see how you've taken that on. <laughs> um, what uh, what have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard from anyone whose message made it into the book? Made it into your work? Have you gotten any follow? Do you think, ha do you have proof that any of these people have seen that they have contributed to this piece of art? So all the positive messages in the book had full permission. Um, the negative ones I immediately deleted and blocked. So they could make a new 
profile to message me, which I have expected, but hasn't happened. I will say, uh, I guess I will say this. I had a Chad show up to a live event. It happened. I'm not going to say which one. Um, and I Whoa. don't, I can't say too much about it only because I feel like by protecting their privacy, I'm also protecting my safety. And so I'm not going to say much about it. I was scared for like five seconds. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. I just want to say that these events were like 99.9% amazing. But um, I knew, I knew right away he was there with his wife. Um, yeah. And he said some really rude things to me and he left. So that happened, but as far, but before that and after that, I've had no contact from anyone. So I consider that a win. Um, I think he wanted me to see that he didn't care, but he really just kind of proved my point in our interaction. Wow. Literally get a life. Like, yeah. Get, have a hot, oh my gosh. Imagine being married to someone who wants to do that as an activity. Like, yeah. oh, let's like show up to a book event and harass him. I'm so I'm sorry that happened to you. That's terrifying. And I mean, I'm sorry that- for his wife. I'm sorry for people who have to interact with him on a daily basis. It's like for me, it was 60 seconds because I don't know if you've done or been part of those author- those author lines. Really have to move quickly so that everyone can mm-hmm. take a picture and sign it. And I want to see everyone. So it wasn't long. So for me, it's like, yeah, that sucked that 90 seconds we spent together, but I'm so sorry for anyone else who has to see him on a daily basis, because to, to go through that, to that length, to talk to me like that, I'm like, how are you talking to your wife? How are you talking to the women in your life? Your mom, you know, if you have sisters that that's what I thought about later. Yeah. Geez. That's nuts. Um, and like that makes my skin crawl. I also think I would have like decked him if it were me. I also think I would have like <laughs> talked about it like nonstop for the rest of my life and, and maybe like out of fear, you know, or out of, or out of amusement. I think that would have really scared me. So I don't blame you for feeling. I would not, I would not bring it up if I was scared at all for my safety. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. I really debated whether or not to share that at all, but it is, it is an interesting tidbit there. He, uh, there, there he was. Wow. What a loser. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm here. I hear some weird background noise too. I know someone said, just said, Hannah said that there was some weird background noise. I can't tell if it's coming from me, from you or the Lord above. Um, but now I can't hear it anymore. It's, uh, it's silent on my end. You can't hear like a, like a, yeah, I don't know. Well, now I don't hear it anymore. What does Do it you guys- sound like? It, it sounds like someone's like dragging something across like a table. <laughs> was I, was it because I was rocking? Oh, it could have been. Were you rocking? A little bit. I probably might was like doing this. Okay. I will stay completely still. Wait, ro- rock, rock one more time. I'll tell you if I can hear it. I was kind of like doing this. I think maybe. Okay. Tell, so me, tell me if you hear it again. It's like picking up on some, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, you guys keep us, keep us posted. I heard it too. And I honestly just thought it was a ghost, but that's also because I just watched that Hallmark Christmas movie where like a ghost haunts the inn. And I was like, oh, it's probably just the spirit of Christmas. That's literally what I was thinking. So <laughs> it that's maybe is the spirit of Christmas. Yeah. It's probably Greg, the spirit of Greg. Yeah. It's <laughs> the spirit of Greg. 
He's in the in the chat. Um, oh my gosh. No, that's terrible. That's really scary. Uh, in some circles and in some like sick, you know, way, it's almost like, wow, you made it. Like your haters are showing up. But as we know, like as women, like you don't necessarily want your haters showing yeah. up. Just, yeah. Yeah. You want, you know, <laughs> it's interesting when you have haters, you just do want to keep them at bay. Um, so a question for you about your writing process, because I'm sure people are interested and I'm definitely interested whenever I write and whenever I sit down to write something new, I find it very hard to get out of my own way. And when I write, I imagine other people reading (laughs) my work, which makes it markedly worse. Um, what is your process like for just getting things out. How do you clear your head? How do you take away the idea of, you know, the, the, the process of what people call writering, which is like the performance of writing, knowing that someone's going to read your work, you know, how are, how do you, how do you just make it about you and your words, uh, in a way that is meaningful to you in a way that makes you feel like you are creating something that you do eventually want to show people? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think there's a lot of different steps. One, I mean, the first obstacle for me is like moving from packing lunches and thinking about who needs to be picked up when and extracurriculars and all the admin things I need, need to do for the day, like transitioning from that into writing. So there's first, there's that hurdle. So for me, it's like, putting everything away, getting set up, like my headphones on and my music going, you know, getting it, everything set up. And then the next step for me is reading. I, I usually start any writing with like a book on my lap. I read for about 15 minutes to kind of get my head back in the clouds out of, you know, all the other garbage that's going on. Um, I, I turn my phone upside down. I have to keep it near me because of the, you know, the kids in school, but I, I, turn that up. So I can't see people, you know, messaging me, um, texting me that that's what I mean. Um, as far as the other stuff about like failure and, and thinking about what, if people are writing it, I mean, I think for me, I've just had to accept that's always going to happen. There's not like some magic cure that if I start doing these seven things, then I'm not going to feel bad about myself anymore, or that I'm not going to feel a certain way about writing. That's just like part of life. It's actually very similar to like body positivity, right? That's those feelings about body are never going to go away. It's not like I'm going to read, you know, Katie Strino's book, which I love or, or follow these six Instagram accounts. And then I'm going to feel magically better about my body. It's more like, okay, I have to accept these feelings are always going to come here. How am I going to respond to them? And so for me, it's like first remembering that, you know, I could totally not write today. I could totally give up. I don't have to write any more books if I don't want to. I can go back to doing all the other different jobs I did. Um, I don't have to do any of this, but, you know, is that alternative what I want? Because the, the alternative to giving in to that fear is really sad. It's not doing it at all. And so I have to remember those are my options. I can try and it can really suck or I can not try. And then that's really sad that I didn't do that, that I didn't at least try. Um, and I guess, you know, the other thing 
is to just remember the Anne Lamott Bible that you have to just write a bunch of really bad stuff, really bad first drafts. And it's so no one else ever has to read it. There's no pressure. I really try to not make everything so precious and um, put pressure on myself to write some really wonderful thing. I think that is, it's like very obvious advice, but I have to learn things like the hard way all the time. And so I have to just like relearn those lessons over and over again. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a great answer. It's of course so much easier said than done. I think in like any yeah. respect, like you said, like the body positivity thing is like, it's not like, oh, I love my body a hundred percent of the time. And like, I feel great about it. It's literally like, okay, I'm here today. And like, what are all the things that I've learned that I can now execute to making sure yeah. that this day is like a good day. And then we're going to have to do this all over again tomorrow. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. The writing, the, the writing is hard. And I think that because people don't talk enough about the process that it really does get in your head. Like, wow, I bet this person just like handed in a perfect first draft and like, I suck. And like, my writing is bad, but you know, bad writing is better than no writing. And I get that. Um, but it's, it's difficult. And a lot of people say, you know, write every day, but like, sometimes you don't want to, and that's okay too. I don't and write I, every day. No. I appreciate that because people don't. Yes, I absolutely. That sounds terrible to me. I do not <laughs> want to write every day. I write four right. days a week. If anybody wants to know that I do not write seven days a week. I also, do you ever like take little tidbits of things authors say to comfort yourself? Do you know Lauren Groff? She wrote Fates and Furies. Mm -hmm. She writes a book and then throws it in the trash. This also haunts me, but she, she will write her whole book and she will throw it in the trash and then she will start over because she knows she can do it better the second time. And this is also a very haunting tale, but also she did not write Fates and Furies and just like write it out beautifully the first time she had to go through like a horrible process. Is this like, is this terror? Is this haunting? It's no, also I like think, haunting, I think but also she had a horrible first draft. It's reality. And I think it also is like no one, I think it's a lesson, like no one gets into the writing game. No one gets into the writing game to like, you know, become rich and uh, no one <laughs> yeah. gets into the writing. I mean, like you really have to love the process. Like, yes, it's fun holding your published book in your hands. So much of the process is like not fun. And yeah. you have to really kind of submit yourself to the entire thing or else like the enjoyable parts are not going to make all the other stuff worth right. it. Um, that's why I always find it funny when people, and I know you've heard this before too, when like, you know, you say like, oh, I, you know, what do you do? Oh, I write books. Like, oh, I, I think I'm going to write a book one day. And part of you is like, yeah, like you definitely should, but also like, okay. Okay. Like they say like, Oh, I just don't have a ton of time. Like, it's so cool that you wrote a book. Like, I'd write a book too. I just don't have a lot of time. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like I am, I'm probably going to be a brain surgeon one day also, you know, I'm just like, I'm just like kind of busy. I have a lot of plans, but it it is, it's like, it's not that it's not that easy. And uh, part of me, even though I have written books before, part of me is like, I don't want to write a whole book and throw it in the trash. That does yeah. not, that doesn't sound appealing to me. And if someone was yeah. like, well, that's what you have to do to get this amazing book. I'd be like, well, then I'm not going to have an amazing book. I would rather, <laughs> I'd rather not. Um, I guess, so I have never written poetry before. And um, I have a question about the editing process. You know, poetry sure. is so it's, it's an art. I mean, all writing is an art, but we all know that all books have editors and all books have drafts and things get changed and editors say, I don't like this character or like bring in this, bring in that. How does someone edit poetry? 
Like how does my editor edit it or how? Do yeah. I like how, like, no, like how, when you hand in your draft, yeah. Like what is Mary? Are you here? I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. Is she there? Mary? <laughs> do you want to chime in? I'm just kidding. Um, how, how does someone edit a poem? I'm going to guess she reads a lot of it out loud because so much of poetry is the cadence and the pacing and, uh, you know, it's kind of musical. So I think in, in, she probably reads a lot of it out loud. That's what I do. Um, I do a lot of that myself. Well, I, I don't know. But does Commas. she like change things? Does she like oh, say yeah. like, oh, I really? She doesn't change things in the fact, like write, rewriting a line for me, but she she will suggest maybe trying to find different wording or asking for clarity or cutting out, nice. um, cutting things out. Yeah. And how, uh, how many times, you know, out of 10 edits, how many times do you push back and say, I wrote this, the way I wrote this is the way I want it to be. Oh, that's a good question. I probably push back at least half of the time. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I push that's back a lot. Great. No, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's amazing. It's kind of a back and forth. Um, I also will push back when she, when she wants to cut poems, you know, because I don't include everything in a book that I have. So right. we will kind of go back and forth about that as well. Oh, I love that. By the time my editor was like on the third or fourth edit, I was, she was like, is that okay? And I wouldn't even like read what she changed. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> fine. Whatever. Okay. I do. I do sometimes get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all do. Yeah. I mean, at, at some point, like you said, it's like, it happened so long ago. You wrote it so long ago. You're like, I don't even know. Okay. <laughs> sure. Are we done sure. yet? Well, does, does this mean you'll stop emailing me? Then yeah, That's totally fine. Um, I know I get that, but I've never, I've never, I've always wondered, you know, how a, a book of poetry is, is edited, uh, if at all. So that's really interesting to me that it is, it's like literally line edited, just like anything else, like anything else. Yeah. Like anything else. Um, is there a part of you that would like to write fiction, nonfiction, anything, any other sort of. So I, so I wrote word? a full, I, so I wrote a full length literary thriller, that's what I was writing when I was writing, like when I, so I, I got this agent because a few of my pieces went viral in Huffington Post and I was writing about motherhood and I really wanted to take a break, partly because I wanted to take a break, partly because of internalized misogyny. Like we don't need to yeah. get into that, but, um, and sure. then I, I, I spent four years writing a novel. Um, I, I, I call that my slightly less expensive MFA program because I was still paying for childcare through side hustles, but um, so I was, I worked on that for four years and I started cheating on it with poetry, which I had always read and, and always kind of written, but I started to like cheat on it a little bit, which, which always feels so good to, you know, in general to cheat, but, um, uh -huh. to cheat on writing because, you know, it just is so much more exciting to write something new, you know, rather than what you've been going hard at for four years. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of, I, I really pivoted from that. I don't know if I'll oh. ever go back to that. I really love poetry because if it's like boiled down storytelling, I love that about it. And I think that's really, I've really found my groove there. I, I really enjoy that so much more than writing that novel, but I, I, and that novel will probably never, 
I'll never look at that again, I'm going to say. But um, yeah, I mean, writing the novel is like the ultimate, right? Writing a novel, making it into a Netflix movie starring like Kate Winslet. I mean, <laughs> yeah, who doesn't exactly. want, of course I want that. Starring and Reese I do feel Witherspoon like, and Nicole oh, Kidman. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman. I, Jennifer Aniston might be in there. I mean, not, yes, this she's is not there. my dream. I'm just saying like, she's there because she's always there. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I would much rather, I would really, I would love Katherine Hahn. I, I love her so much. I would totally. love to have her, maybe I should write a book about Katherine Hahn so then she would like feel obligated. I don't know. I, honestly, I don't, I don't, I think people have done weirder <laughs> things to get. Yeah, to get. I, yeah. This book was kind of weird. I think I could go even weirder and write a book about Katherine Hahn and then maybe she would, I don't know. I love that. It. Kate, you're a New York Times bestseller. It's not out of the question I think if you have that please bake it because it sounds like a it sounds like an idea I would write down when I'm high the other day <laughs> I was um maybe not in my like full right mind and I really thought of the best new book idea I'm not gonna share okay. it. you know what maybe it'll come true because it <laughs> is nuts but like also what if I do it so never mind For, forget it forget it I will, I you know what? I, I respect that because I had a book idea. I'm also, I'm going to personally die with a million multicolored moleskins that have two pages of yes. each of them filled up <laughs> with like the best book idea you've ever heard of and nothing will have ever Did come you get back. it at Borders Bookstore? Obviously, yeah. And I got it with a $25 gift card that I got for my birthday. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. And, okay, but yeah. every time I'm like, it's, you know, the new notebook, that's going to be the thing. That's going to be the thing that makes me write this book. But oh, yeah, totally. um, I actually told one time uh, at my, at an old job, I mentioned wanting to get a tattoo. I was 23. So you got to bear with me. I, I wanted to get a tattoo <laughs> of the, the New York skyline on my forearm. Oh, okay. And okay. I was like, that's cute. I mean, I live, I lived in New York at the time and I yeah. lived there for 10, 10 years. I felt like it was, you know, fine. And I said it out loud and I'm not even kidding. Two weeks later, my coworker comes and he's like, Hey guys, I just got a new tattoo. It's like a random city. Um, and I got it and he sat next to me and I know that he took my idea and people still talk about it to this day. They're like, remember when sleep, like yeah. took your tattoo yeah. idea. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I think about it constantly. So I do think <laughs> if you have a good idea for a book, yeah, or a I tattoo, can't say it. I can't say yeah, it. Even though it's so ridiculous. I'm not going to say, it. okay, you're right. But I hope, I hope do it. if you, if you do it, you come back to, you know, the 60 of us that are here right now and you tell us yeah. first. Okay. I will. That's I will. all I ask. That's all I, I ask. That's it's not too much to ask. Um, I guess my, my other, uh, totally to pivot. I want to talk about TikTok with you because, okay. you know, w with writing, with, with writing comes all of the things we do when we're not writing. Um, is, is TikTok a part of, a part of your distraction palette? Can I just tell you, I've made one TikTok video and it took me 12 hours. I could not it, figure it out. It's so, no. it's not user-friendly. I know I'm 37, but it's, it's really hard. I, I, there's probably like a 23 year old here on here that just logged off. Cause they were like, I don't want to hear about some like, no, there's a 23 year old here. Who's cooking up like a business idea. That's like, I'll make TikToks for you old people. <laughs> I know. And also like, it's the same with reels. It's like, you get it. And you're like, I'm hitting it. And then you do one thing wrong. And then all of a sudden it deletes 
And I don't understand. It's, it's horrible. I don't know how these kids do it. But I'm I'm a consumer, not a creator. On, I'm a consumer. On I'm a consumer. And I was talking to you before about how really when I log on to TikTok, what I want to see is dogs and like some breakfast ideas. Those are the two things I'm looking for. Nice. But instead, I've seen a lot of stripper TikTok and like marriage TikTok where like they're like pulling pranks on each other. I hate that so much. I hate that. That a stripper TikTok, yes. Marriage yeah, TikTok. Stripper TikTok comes up. I didn't mean to get there, but we're here. And and that's mm-hmm. fine. I don't want to see the guy. I was telling you that I don't want to see the guy dancing in the parking lot uh to the country song. Don't want to see that, but I, I still see it. Um yep. there's a bunch of I just want to see dogs and breakfast. And I wish there was a way for me to get there, but I still haven't achieved it. I, I like it doesn't matter what I do, I still I'm inundated with other things I don't want to see. This is my complaint about TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. I know I get it. For a while, and especially during, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests and in June 2020, I felt like TikTok TikTok kept showing me like cop TikToks, which was like so annoying to me because I was like, isn't your whole thing right now that you guys are all like really important when you're on the job and all of them are like in uniform, <laughs> like doing viral videos. And it made me so annoyed. The, I love stripper TikTok. I love stripper TikTok. If you guys don't know so much fun, find it. I think they call it stripper talk because I think uh, the word stripper gets like flagged. banned or, you know, flagged or whatever, but it's a, it's a lot of, uh, strippers counting their money. And I, I love that for them. And I love watching them count their money. Um, but what I always end up watching is, uh, like, I love, I love the new, like, uh, you know, the Adele singing, I'm like losing my language, you know, Adele singing, Megan, the stallion dancing that I love a mashup. I love Love people who can like hear that and put that together. I love watching really good dancers, on TikTok. And then I try to do it in my house. Like I get very like Amy Poehler and mean girls being like, yeah, Yeah. I can do that too. Yeah. Um, But I know we were talking about this, like TikTok needs to find a way to figure out when you're watching something that you hate, but you're just watching it. And when you're watching something that you actually like, and I don't know if that's like hearting or following or sending it to someone to try to get your algorithm right. But yeah, sometimes I only get shown, uh, stuff I don't want to see. And also my husband gets a totally different, totally set different. of TikTok. So I'm walking around going, even if you're not ready for the day, it cannot always <laughs> be night. And he's yeah. like, what are you saying? And I'm like, it's the TikTok. It's the TikTok. He doesn't know what I'm saying, but he's also watching it. I don't know how he got on his algorithm. Do they know he's yeah. a man? Yeah. <laughs> I like, do you what know, if- does he, I don't know. Does, do they know? Do they know who I am? I, I don't know. Well, what, what do you guys send Do you and your husband send each other TikToks? Is that part of your marriage? No. Yeah. We just I mean, show I, each other. It's like this, like, yeah. do you like watch it? And then it's like, like let funny. me hold it. Cause I don't want to give you my phone. Cause if I give it, then I'm like, give it back. Like, it's, no, you're taking right. too long to watch this. And then he's like, yeah. what? I'm like, never mind. I don't, I didn't even, I didn't want to show, I didn't want to show this to you. <laughs> it's really, it's really like, I don't know. I'm just happy to not be 22 right now. I feel like I would feel a lot of pressure to create. I just started feeling confident about my Instagram stories. Like I cannot be, that's it. I can't do anything else. I can't do anything else. Um, what do your kids think about your work? Do they care? My kids read Dogman and want to watch, um, 
the Grinch Jim Carrey version for the 7,000th time. No, That's they do real not art. care. Okay. That's Honestly, it is real art. There are some parts <laughs> in there that I, if anyone hasn't seen the Grinch Jim Carrey version, it is, it is so deeply funny. I laugh belly laughs each time. So if anyone hasn't watched that, if you don't have kids, it's okay. Please watch it. It's very funny. Christmas classic. Um, my kids don't care, but they wow. are proud that I publish books and they always like tell their teachers who then buy the books and make it very awkward for me at parent teacher conferences. Um, sure. if you're watching this, thank you so much for teaching my kids and taking them from <laughs> 9am to 3.30pm. I'm forever indebted to you. I dedicated my first book to you. So I don't know what else I can do besides give you these, uh, target gift cards for Christmas. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> Wait, that reminds me of something. I know we're coming up against what is going to be our Q and a soon, but it reminds me, and I'll, I guess we can end on this between the two of us. You had a teacher, the nicest letter from one of your teachers. Oh I cried reading I cried. it. It's, I cried reading yeah. it. Like every time I re- read it, can you tell us a little bit about that for people who might've missed that? It was, it was so, it was so amazing. Yeah. So in second grade, I was having a really hard time as you might do in second grade. Um, and my second grade teacher really took me under her wing in general. Um, but on the last day of second grade, and I, I, I think so many of us can resonate with this. She just, she really got down on my level and was like, Katie, I was Katie then, you know, I, you're going to be a writer someday. And I, I carried that with me every single grade. I, I really just focused on writing from, I know that's so annoying to say when I was nine, I was focusing on writing, but no, I was, I was, I was writing a ton because I was like, okay, this is, this is my gift. This is what I can yeah. do. And I always think about her, Mrs. Rittenhouse. She's a, she's such a beautiful person. Um, yeah. And, and so I hadn't really, I hadn't talked to her at all since second grade, <laughs> uh, obviously. Um, but I, yeah, she, she sent me the nicest note after what kind of woman came out and and it, it meant more than to me than anything else. So yeah, I can, it, after this, I will, I will link to it because I have yeah. it on my feet. It, it was, it, my- it was so beautiful. And, and it ended with such a really nice line that I won't but- butcher, but I, I remember it. And I know that you'll put it on so everyone can see it, but it was like, it was like, I'm proud to be part of the, like the uh, great vocabulary word of women who, who walk you home or who walk with, yeah. like it was, yeah. I burst into tears every time. I also think it's not silly to say that at nine, you were focused on writing because my parents wanted me to be focused on soccer when I was nine. And I was like, please, I was like, please put me in musical theater, please. I'm begging you. I don't want to play sports. So know. you know, at, at, at nine also like that's when you're, it's kind of the last year of your adolescence where you're, you, you aren't super focused on like what other people think of you, of yeah. what other people say of what you should be doing. So I think it's very telling that when you were that young, you had somebody in your life in your corner sort of bolster your confidence about something that you really like doing. And it like probably changed the, tra- I mean, it obviously did. It changed the trajectory yeah. of, of your entire life. And, and that yeah. she, you know, reached out after your book came out. I mean, just having that moment come full circle. I think that that's, you know, that's one of the, the things I think we all, I think fantasize about, you know, when writing, you know, when, when the horrible part, is over and it's out in the world and people seem to get it or people from your past come forward and say, like, I always knew you could do this, or I always knew this was something that you're going to do. I mean, it really does make it all worth it. 
Well, it's terrible writing, but it's great having written. I know that's like yeah. something that people <laughs> love to say, but it's, it's really true. And also as like mm-hmm. a total teacher's pet, like hundred percent, 10 out of 10 teacher's pet. It also was wonderful because I still am seeking the approval of all my English teachers from grades one through aren't we college. all and yeah. aren't we all, aren't uh, we Jamie, all? <laughs> Jamie, I saw that you unmuted yourself. Is she there? No, I did not. I'm, I'm just oh. enjoying you guys keep on at it. Should we, should we start doing, so, I know it's, oh my gosh, I see should someone we... here talking about our garden, which overalls just to everyone else, Caroline and actually, and I have actually talked before. Yes. Uh, this isn't our first meet. Meet it's not our first rodeo. Kate no. <laughs> has come on my podcast, which is a product recommendation podcast. And the first time she came on, she recommended these linen overalls from Amazon. I almost wore them today, but then I was like, I is it too much? Too. It's probably yeah, I know. too much, but I did. I, I wanted to, I wanted to. So, so did I, we should have coordinated. Honestly, I know she brought those and it was the first time anyone had brought a pair of, you know, a piece of clothing before. And I was like, I have no idea how this is going to hit. I, oh, People have come up to me in, did I tell you someone recognized me in public? Actually, she's here. Hannah. She's no Hannah. Oh, Hannah's the one talking. Hannah literally came up to me in the, in one of the first screenings of in the Heights in Los Angeles and was like, I listened to the podcast. (laughs) I made my friend buy the garbage. It was actually the coolest moment of my life. And then the second time you came on the podcast, you recommended a vibrator. So like truly, uh, Kate is the, the patron saint of the G thanks just bought it podcast. So yes, we have talked before we have been here. We have, we have talked before discussing those two things. Yes. Yes. Um, do you guys have, I want to be able to a- answer yeah. questions so for you, you guys. So click the Q and a, you should see there's about eight questions in there right now. Wow. Eight questions. That's amazing. Okay. Let's see. This is amazing. Sometimes I've been on my book tour virtuals and, and this is no shade to In fact, this is a great time to say to anyone watching to please support your independent bookstores. I had no idea before I wrote a book how important independent bookstores are to authors. They're obviously also important to communities, um, your local economy, but they are also so incredibly important to authors. I had no idea um, how crucial they are. So thank you so much for coming to this and also for supporting um, any indie bookstore, but specifically Copperfield books. I uh, yeah. just want to get that plug. I also want to plug, um, if you're an ebook reader, Libro.fm is like the alternative to, uh, doing, you know, kin- Kindle books and it'll, an audio audible. Um, and you can pick an independent bookstore to support with your purchase. So it can make you feel a little better. I haven't like held, I literally haven't held a physical book in like forever. My body doesn't know what to do with it, but I can, I take a Kindle everywhere I go and it just makes me feel a lot better about that. Um, So, okay. Reeve would like to know where you get your inspiration and who are some of your favorite contemporary poets? Oh, I love this one. Yeah. Olivia Gatwood. Have you heard of her? She wrote Life of the Party. She's an incredible poet. Um, Wanda Coleman. She's not, um, I don't, I'm not sure when, what her years are. Sharon Olds, um, obviously people like Maya, Aunt, Maya Angelou. I sometimes when people say contemporary poets, I don't know if they mean if they're alive or not, but I consider all of all of these contemporary poets. Um, Audre Lorde is, is a favorite of mine. Um, I don't, if any, 
if anyone is on Instagram, which I'm not endorsing in any capacity, but if you are on that particular app, there is a poetry account called Poetry is Not a Luxury, which is taken from yeah. a line from Audre Lorde. And they they do such an incredible job of posting all sorts of poets. A lot of them are contemporary poets, um, which can give you a really great range. I know this isn't really answering your question specifically, but it is a, a great place to find people. I, I, I love this question, but I also sometimes have a hard time with it because I don't know about you when someone asks you like what books you like, I can't think of a single book I've ever read. Like I cannot think of a book or a poet I've ever read when I'm put on the spot, but that, that account I can recommend and Olivia Gatwood only because I can see her book right here. And I was just reading it. Maggie Smith is also a wonderful contemporary poet. Wonderful. Awesome. Um, an anonymous attendee. Um, this is a, this is a broad question. And I think you might be a little uncomfortable with it because it will require you to toot your own horn a little bit, but I think it's an important question. Um, genuinely Kate, how on earth does one become a poet whose work ends up on the New York times bestseller list with Amanda Gorman? Her hook was that she spoke at the inauguration. We're dying to hear. How did you start with poetry? Which we, which we already know, but how did you accomplish the impossible become a major force in poetry? That is so nice. I really, I don't really walk around thinking I'm a force in poetry. Um, obviously, being on the New York Times bestseller list was exciting. Um, totally unexpected that anyone would buy poetry, to be honest. Um, I don't, I, that is such a hard question to answer. I think it sounds so cheesy, but just constantly telling the truth. <laughs> Um, about things is something that I think people really want to hear, especially in like 2020, 2021, people want to hear the, like the real stuff that's going on in motherhood, marriage, friendship, womanhood. I think that's part of it. I also think people turn to poetry a lot for comfort, especially recently. And, um, I don't know, but thank you. That was really, really nice. <laughs> Um, kind of piggyback offing that, off that question, um, an anonymous attendee would like to know if there's anything you can share, like a peek behind the publishing industry. I think there is a, a lot of mystery that surrounds things like bestseller lists and, mm -hmm. you know, how much money a bestselling author can make. Is there anything about, um, entering this world at the level that you've now been, been there that has surprised you maybe good or bad. Sure. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to say there's no money in publishing a book, even when you're on the bestseller list. I think what Correct. I made from what kind of woman covered my childcare for one year, well, maybe not quite. Um, so I think, you know, money is something we really don't talk about in the lit world, especially in like highbrow lit world. We all just like pretend we're not like living on our parents' trust funds. I don't know. I'm not, it's fine if you are, but, um, yeah. What kind of woman was the first time I was paid to write the rest of the time I was writing, I was paying for it myself. Yeah. The, the publishing world highs and lows. I, I highly recommend Courtney Malm's um, before and after the book deal. That is a book that really helps shed light on the publishing world and also all the steps. I think the biggest shock to me was how little I knew. I don't have a bunch, I don't have very many like writer author friends. Actually, I, I just don't really have any. 
And so I didn't know anything. I was like a baby and had to ask a lot of dumb questions. I still have to, I mean, the second time around has been much easier and that I know what to expect, but I had no idea like how much I should be asking for. Um, what, what leverage I have in picking the cover. Like I didn't know any of that. And there was no, like, no one was holding my hand. No one was like guiding me through this and being like, and this is what's going to happen next. Instead, it's like, you're just thrown into a meeting where your brain is just spinning and you have to try to like, look like, you know what you're talking about. And so I think that was a big surprise. I am always happy for this. I, I don't know what other details I can share, but I, I, I'm always happy to share those details because I had no idea and always like wanted to know and hadn't, I didn't really have any guidance there. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just had to shut the door because my dog probably saw her own reflection in a mirror. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, yeah, I think that the, the most interesting thing about the publishing world, <clears throat> and if people are interested, we can talk about this too, because I found it to be kind of shocking on my end. Also, you sort of think that like, okay. So one time I asked on Instagram, like, you know what? Okay. When I found out like what you have to do to be on the best seller list, I was like shocked. Like it's all a numbers game. It's also like an algorithm. Like the New York times, like doesn't have a set criteria. Uh, it's really like a mysterious process. Um, and, and also just the idea that, um, it, it sort of casts a light about the, the direction of the publishing industry, which is that it is very difficult to get people to buy books because there is so much free content you can consume elsewhere, which is great, but to get people off of your Instagram and into a bookstore or onto a website and put in your credit card info and pay whatever it costs to buy your work when you could just, oh, I could just see it on her Instagram. She posts like, oh, I could just, I'll follow other people. Like I don't, the, the fact that people pay for your work is yeah. I think one of the most humbling parts of this, ex the entire experience. And yeah, you and yeah. I both published books that where the content, like a lot of it, like lived online. Like, yes, yeah. of course there's like lots of new stuff in the book. Like not everything is online, but they both like both pieces sort of derived from doing something online that was connecting with people. And then you have the publishing, you know, world take a chance on you and say like, we're going to, you're literally going to make a bet that people will spend money on this. And so anytime you find out that someone actually used their money and paid for your book is like an incredibly humbling experience because yeah, it was shocking. It's not, <laughs> it's shock. It's literally shocking. It's not the same as like, someone read my article or someone, you know, streamed the show on Netflix, like that barrier to entry is, is so, so high. Um, and it, it's funny, but some, I don't know how, do you have any particular feelings about the fact that all famous people end up getting book deals and they are ghostwritten usually, um, you know, real housewives, uh, bachelor bachelorette contestants um anyone with sort of a large following tends to usually get like a memoir uh yeah how does that make you feel as a writer I don't care at all <laughs> I 
I, I, know. I have, I have zero feelings about that. I, in fact, I, I would almost lean the way of, I'm not one of those people who feels like people shouldn't write a book. I, I, anyone should write a book. If you want to write a book, write a book. If you have enough money to pay a ghostwriter, go ahead. If it's, if it's good and people are connecting with it, I think that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if it's not something that people are going to connect with, no one will buy it. That that's kind of the thing. I think people ask Jerry Seinfeld this question all the time. Uh, I am I am not Jerry Seinfeld, but I at all. Wait a minute, in, in you're not Jerry Seinfeld. Oh my god, I'm not Jerry, and I'm not, I'm not the Jerry Seinfeld of, of poetry either. What I what I do want to say <laughs> though, and recount from his from him, which I really I, I really agree with, because people will be like, "What do you feel? How do you feel like?" all these comics can just be on TikTok or be on Instagram and they can just get their Netflix special and anyone can see them. And he's like, great. It's like the cream rises to the top, the top. Um, right. If they're really good, then people will like it and connect with it. Why, why are we having these like gatekeepers in place? I, I just find that to be really kind of ridiculous. This is t- kind of a different spin on this, but people like to really put down Rupi, Rupi a lot. Um, because they say she, they say all, all these kinds of things about her, uh, and I'm like, just let people enjoy her work. If you don't like her, then don't read it. If, yeah, exactly. It's all, it's all jealousy. That's the thing. It, it all is rooted in in jealousy. And so when when you're mad about a, a Real Housewives getting a book deal, it's like, well, that's because you want a book deal, not you, but the proverbial you wants the a book deal with the big large sum of money. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't get tied down in that. I don't care what anybody else does because yeah. I, I can't, I can't go there. And also I'm not in charge of that. I, I, that's not my circus. No, I think that that is, that is a great, a great answer. It's also the way I feel. I also think that there's opportunity there. Like if all these housewives are going to get book deals and they all need ghostwriters, like perhaps that's a job for one of, I would die to write a ghostwriter <laughs> book. Like I'm putting, I'm putting that out there in the ether right now. I want to do it. But I also think that like, if you're mad about it, you know, it's common to be mad at the people who want to buy the book. I think one of the things, but don't be mad at them. I mean, but that's what yeah. you're mad at. You're saying like, yeah. oh, I don't think that this is um, like, cla- like uh, it's it's a little bit of, it's like a little classes, classist and elitist to, to be like what books deserve to be books, right? And what I think about all the time is when I talk to Ellen Hildebrand, who I love, who write, writes like two books a year and is like, like a, a machine, um, you know, she went to the prestigious Iowa, uh, school of writing. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. You know, Iowa. Yeah. Writers. I know what you mean. Iowa. Yeah. Lena Dunham. I don't went know. to yeah. Iowa. Yeah. yeah. Lena Dunham. Right. She went there on girl. <laughs> and one of the stories Ellen told me that always stuck with me was that when she was there, um, everyone in her class, like would make fun of her because she was writing these like sort of romantic, beachy mm-hmm. Nancy Meyer. I mean, I didn't know Nancy Myers at the time, but like Nancy Myers, the type of yeah. like flowy caftan love, love stories. And everyone else yeah. in her class was writing about like death and mm-hmm. trying to be like, so self-serious. Yeah. And she was sort of like ostracized. And she told me, she's like, look to this day, I am the only person from my graduating class who's been published more than once. I'm the only person who's been a New York times best. Like if you, if you, if you create something, people are, are, you know, there's someone out there who's going to like, like, love it. I'm reading this comment, um, from Shika right now, 
um, who just typed every book is written for someone, maybe not for us, but someone will relate to it, like it or connect to it. There's literally so much room in the world for books. And I feel like any book that gets published, unless it's like, I don't know, well, I'll go there. I've, I have, I have thoughts about like, you know, certain types of political books, but, um, but I think that like, well, there's also, there's also some like gatekeeping here that we're like leaving out of this conversation with like all sorts of different people who aren't getting book deals. I think that is a whole separate conversation that is not about the real housewives because it's not about the real housewives. It's about what books are publishers looking at, what books are editors picking up, um, there's like a horrible trend right now where like, well, I, I, I'm going to have a hard time regurgitating this, you know, well, but I've seen some black women be like, stop, stop just like cherry picking these like random black stories. And then when they don't do well, punish us. Like there's just this horrible, and it also happens in poetry. It happens in the lit world all the time, but there's also like a terrible gatekeeping problem. So that, that to me is a different conversation than like who gets to publish a book because yeah. I don't know if a celebrity wants to publish a book to me, I, I'm not going to be personally mad at that. I'm more thinking about like, well, what else is this publisher picking up? Who, what other stories are they telling more than like, they shouldn't do it. It's like, okay, that's fine. But what other stories, who, what other voices are you sharing in this world? Right. Well, right. And I mean, exactly. And then, and the other side of it too, is the financial aspect where a lot of these real housewives and bachelorette contestants, while I'm happy if their books are, are read and people like them, like the money side of it for them is extremely, uh, lucrative because, you know, these publishers, publishers, the way that in advance works, um, and of course, you know, this, the idea is basically they're making a numerical bet on how much they can make back from you. So right. they're like, okay, we're going to pay you up front. You don't have to pay us back if your book bombs, but you know, if we're giving you $40,000, we are, uh, taking a chance that we are going to make back $41,000. Um, when we, when we sell your book, uh, right. and and that's your hope. And, you know, the, the problem is, is that no reality star in this world is getting $40,000 to write their book. They're getting $800,000 to write their book. They're getting oh my gosh, seven figures. To, yeah. Oh yeah. They're getting like, I, I mean, I can't even, oh yeah. Because they're like these, you know, this is, these are the people, these are the popular people. People yeah. are going to buy these books. And, and so I think that's really difficult because it's like, it doesn't leave a ton of room to find new voices and take chances. So yeah, bringing it back to that, to the supporting independent bookstore conversation, it literally does trickle into the publishing industry. You are essentially voting with your dollar when you buy a book and you're telling a publisher, like, I want to read more like this. And I, I appreciate this. And I want more like this because, you know, they don't have any money and, and, and that means the authors don't get that much money. It's like, it's just like a sick, that's why we all, that's why we're saying you have to really love writing. No one gets into this business to be rich. Yeah. And I started cheating <laughs> on my book with my podcast and now I haven't written anything in like two years. So I get I know, but it. Sometimes I, those affairs really lead you to something. And so I don't oh, yeah. think that's necessarily a bad thing. Well, I'm married to the podcast now and the book and I are divorced and I don't think we're okay. ever, you know, we're, 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 in, we're, in, lit- we're in litigation, except we're never getting back together. Exactly. Never, ever, ever getting um, back together. Okay. Okay. Uh, another question. Um, is there a certain time of day that you feel like you are the most on 
for writing? Is there like, a, are you a morning person? Or are you a night person? What are your, what are your best hours? I'm a night person um, who's married with four kids. So that means I'm an afternoon <laughs> person now. Uh, so okay. I get my best work done in the afternoon. I am not a morning person. I do not get up before. I do not get up to greet the day. Mm. Um, I do not get up to to face the day with my coffee. I picture a lot of women, and I'm sure this is this just a terrible narrative. I, I just picture there's all these women in my mind. They're like getting up early, and they're like, and they're like, nice leggings. What's those expensive leggings called? The the oh, like Lula. Lula. Oh, Lula, Lula Lemon. Mine are from Target. Okay, Lululemon. <laughs> leggings and they have their coffee and like their kids are all still sleeping and they're like getting up and like just like meditating and yes. they like fold the laundry and then meal planning it's like I am drooling on my pillow until my alarm goes off at the last second I hit it four times and then I get up and like quickly pack lunch and show up to drop off I mean I think vibe. that's that's just me but that's my part. well but like I'm not even trying to say this in a, like a I'm so relatable kind of way it's more like this is just my body and my mind and how I, so yes, I'm not a morning person. I think some people are, and that's, and that's great. Yeah. I think, um, I'm definitely a morning person. I wake up at a hundred and I slowly decline throughout oh. the day. Yeah. Um, it, it depends, you know, it depends, but I wake uh, up at I, 10. Really? <laughs> so, so if I'm we so pass jealous. in the morning, yes, I need your energy to keep me going. And I need yours at 5 45 PM when I'm like, Hey, yeah. is, is 6 PM too early to go to sleep? Yes. Okay. How about yeah. seven? Yeah. yeah. Um, do you ever get a moment? I mean, okay. So how long ago did you start, uh, your first book and how old was your youngest and how old is your youngest now? Like, how is that trajectory of parenting? That's some math. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to make you do some math here. How, how is, how is the, the routine of your pa- parenting? either, you know, I don't know, the ebb and flow of parenting versus the ebb and flow of writing. Um, what has it been like to just balance that? I know that's a question that all like mommies get, but I just, if you were a man, I would ask you the same thing, especially in a two-year period where we were like literally constantly at home, so intimate with the four walls of our homes and the people who live there and the animals who live there. How has it changed as your kids grow? Yeah. Uh, he was one and now he's three and a half. Wow. Um, that's my youngest. I mean, I think the answer to this is just childcare. These book deals have afforded me childcare. And so now I write four days a week when before I wasn't able to do that. So I think the biggest difference just with publishing a book is the amount of time it's allowed me to work and to continue to work, which is everything. I think any mom would say that who's trying to do more than just taking care of kids is childcare. So that is like the only factor in my success, which is why it's so incredibly frustrating in this current climate, as we're talking about childcare. It's just, I think this is why women feel like they could just uh, scream into a pillow for a million years. I mean, Sign me up. I didn't look, I didn't do, I didn't do theater as a child for nothing. I was, I was born to scream into this pillow. Um, uh, I know we're, we're heading into over a little over an hour. Um, and I wanted to ask, I guess maybe two last questions if you're okay with that. Uh, yes. Is there one poem? So, okay. 
I think the way that I was introduced to you, and you know this, was the poem that you wrote sort of in response to yet another school shooting, the way that you look at your children, the way that you feel about your children as you send them off to school. My family was affected, uh, you know, by a school shooting. I had a family member die uh, in Sandy Hook. Um, You know that too. It's not a secret. Um, And every time that a school shooting happens, I see people circulating your poem. Mm. Um, It's actually because I stay so off Twitter so much, it's actually kind of how I know something's happening is when I see your poetry being shared, which is actually a a much easier way to find out that that horrible things are happening than actually reading the news. And so I appreciate that. Are there, and I know that you know that that one gets shared a lot. Are there other poems um, that you have put on Instagram that you see being shared at that kind of volume and does that surprise you does it not surprise you and and what poems are they or what poem is it from which from from either book from either book yeah is there just anything that you see like oh wow like this is one of those ones that everyone's adding to stories adding to stories adding to stories and i i always feel like at least in the circles i follow online there's always a time when like seven different people from different walks of life college friends high school friends childhood you know like my friends from the city, my friends from LA are all sharing a Kate Bear poem. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like everyone it's, it's of the moment. Are there any poems that have, you've seen kind of go viral in that way? And has has it surprised you at all? I think Moonsong is the one I see shared the most. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the, what kind of man one, usually around father's day, but I see it kind of all the time. Sometimes I feel bad for the other ones in there. Cause I'm like, do you guys like these? Um, <laughs> but those, no, I, I'm so happy for that. You know, that's what, that's what happens. And I, I always love seeing that um, deleted sentences was the first one that really, you know, because of cup of Joe, um, I don't see that one as much. I see the ones that are kind of specific to a moment, like for father's day or mother's day, people often share mother load or, um, or sometimes, you know, I'll see people like going to a bridal shower, or baby shower, and they'll share um, the ones that are kind of in that way. So yeah, <laughs> in the new one, it's often the same ones. When Chad is a dad, people really like, or your random profile or your facial sagging, people really like that one. So, and your mommy pouch. I see, I see the ones about body shared a lot. I think because most of us are are very used to getting spam emails about that kind of thing, either about your, you know, your ugly face or your, or your body. So I think that's why those get, <laughs> those get passed around. And I need you to write one about essential oils because. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, it's like, <laughs> Hey girl, instead of a vaccine, have you tried peppermint oil? I'm like, no, thanks. Shoot yeah. <laughs> me up with drugs. Um, that's amazing. How does it feel to see how does it feel to be the creator of a piece of writing, of a piece of work that gets shared in that way? Because this is, and this is what we'll end on. This is so, the way in which you started your career, the way in which you gained notoriety and popularity beyond writing amazing books, beyond making the New York Times bestseller list, is having this accessible uh window into your work where we can read it, um, where we can like, you know, 
get a taste of it where we can share it with other people. That's not something we could do even really 10 years ago. Um, what is it like to see that kind of reaction to your work almost in real time? My first reaction is, wow, I hope there's not a typo in that. Um, (laughs) very human of you. Yeah. My, I mean, it's really, it's really wonderful. It's like, I think that's why people like to say Instagram pod because my, my stuff is out there. I call that being good at marketing. Um, (laughs) because you know, who wants to read a book of poetry if you don't know if you like the poetry first. And so, right. I am so glad when people share it. I'm like, oh, this, this, this will go into the next book. Um, that that's been so helpful. Yeah. There's so many downsides of the internet, especially because it's like the wild west, you know, still, we're still in such an infant phase of the internet. There's so little policing (laughs) of what we can say or do to people on the internet, but which this whole book is about, but the, the upside is that, it has really helped erase some of those gatekeepers. I sent my poetry to all sorts of people um, who never wrote back to me, who now write to me and say, hey, we'd like to include your poem. And I'm like, well, you didn't want the same piece before. (laughs) And now you see people really love it. And so there there is that silver lining and, uh, and also just the community of people who some of them have been reading what I've been writing for like 10 years. And it really stuck with me. And that's been, that's been really wonderful. And then of course, lots of new, new names popping up and I don't know, it sounds so cheesy, but it's, it's really, it's really great. It's really great. I I think sometimes people think they'll like write to me and be like, I just want to send one nice message because it sounds like you're getting all these hard. I'm not, I, I, I shared the, I shared some of the ones I get. I think that's pretty common for most women but most of the people that I hear from have such uh, wonderful things to say or share things with me. And that's, it's just been great. Well, we're very happy that you put your work in the world. And um, I don't know, I'm just, ha- I'm very happy to know you. I'm happy to call you my friend. And I like to tell everyone you're my friend. It's a, a I tell everyone right. you're my friend. Oh, uh, that's nice. I love to brag about our friendship. <laughs> uh, I'm like, Some oh, you have me- that book. I know her. I know her. She's <laughs> Um, someday we'll see each other IRL we're on opposite coast at the moment but we will move our friendship to the IRL yes. column I was say, we will move soon. our families and we will all live together <laughs> yes, in one house will, yeah that's we will, I thought we you were gonna say that, that and I was like yes we will do that yes we will we, that. yes we, we will also do that thank you uh Kate for inviting me to come to this talk with you and thank you Copperfields for, thank for you, hosting Copperfield us books. this is so fun please please buy a book you don't even need to buy mine there's so, um Rachel Yoder wrote a really great book here it is Please uh, buy a book. You don't you could have buy to buy this mine. book. You could buy this book from Copperfield Books. Um, there's so many great ones. So yeah. You guys have been so lovely. I can't even tell you the amount of feedback I've gotten just thanking me and thanking Copperfield Fields profusely. It was just so nice. So amazing. Um, just a quick reminder, everyone, that this is being recorded. Everyone will receive an email tomorrow with a link to the book, a link to the recording. I'll include Caroline's podcast and some titles by Caroline, as well as Kate's previous title. So I hope you just watch tonight because everything will hit your inbox tomorrow. And on that, would you guys like to take us out? 
Thank you, everyone. Thank you to Copperfield. Um, thank you for staying up if you're on the East Coast. I love you all. Thank you, Caroline. Talk thank soon. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Bye, Thanks everyone. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.